Today is a just finished recording this amazing conversation with Bree. And I had so many aha moments listening to everything that she shared. And what Bree is going to introduce you guys to today is the concept and the, the reality of how time, our mental energy, and money are all tightly coupled. And when we have scarcity in one or lack in one, it impacts the others. That's all I'm going to tell you because I want to go ahead and jump in. I can't wait for you all to meet Bree. Welcome to the Work-Life Harmony Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Semrel. I'm a former techie turned entrepreneur. I'm also a mom and a wife. Just like you, I'm juggling hashtag all the things while running multiple businesses and a family. Being a successful female entrepreneur doesn't mean you have to feel overwhelmed, exhausted, and stressed out. Gaining control of your time and calendar is all about learning a few key techniques and systems to better organize and structure your time. This is your show to learn from me and other amazing women how to master your time and organization to skyrocket your productivity so you can have work-life harmony. All right, everyone, welcome back to Work Life Harmony. I have a really special guest here today. And I tell you, it just shows the power of community, particularly with women, I think. Brie was introduced to me through a guest I had on this podcast a long time ago, Nikki. Some of y'all remember her. She is this powerhouse female business owner in a very male-oriented construction world, all of that. But she one day just like, Megan, I feel like you and Brie need to get connected. And boy, was she right. (laughs) And Brie and I spent some time on the phone and the way she looks at the relationship between time, money, and energy really blew my mind. So we're going to be taking a deep dive in that today. But first, I'm going to kick it off. Brie would love for you to introduce yourself tell everyone what your passion and purpose is in life, and then we'll have a really cool conversation. Awesome. Yep. So my name is Bree Sedano. I'm the owner and founder of Sheep to Shark. And we have courses and coaching for women to basically wield their money powerfully, like use their money on purpose as a tool for creation. So we teach skill sets. And then for some of my clients, we help build really badass businesses also. (laughs) I love that. And I think that for whatever reason, I'd be curious to know if you have any you know, thoughts on this as well. Women don't talk about money enough. We think it's wrong. And so I love your take on you know, everything you just said about you know, harnessing the power of money and that you can do so much good with it. Yet for some reason, it just always still feels a little taboo and uncomfortable for women to talk about money. Do you have any thoughts on why that is? Yeah. So if we think back even just like 75 years, like, so I'm 37, our moms, our grandmothers, for sure, the best hope that they could have for a really abundant life was to get a good husband. And so there's a lot of cultural conditionings that still exist because they exist in the subconscious. So, you know, like systems, like when we think about these systems, and we think about thought patterns. And so, you know, when your best hope for a great life was to be able to get a good husband. If you were to talk about money, one, you weren't earning it, you weren't investing it, you weren't in that realm. The only aspect you had for money was just in the procurement of household goods, basically. So of all the different aspects of what we can do with money, you were just in charge of spending. 
which mm-hmm. funny enough is typically looked at like if you're good at spending money, you're bad at money, which is a whole <laughs> other thing. And so to talk about money, to bring up these conversations, one was like a little out of place in some cultural conditionings, you know, and so some of these things are still passed on. They're still part of the legacy that our moms and our grandmothers have left us, like the discomfort, like the hand over the mouth, the whispering around money. And also the other thing too, is that for a lot of people, there's a lot of embarrassment around it. I think everybody I've ever talked to feels like they should be further along than they are. And so it's just a little embarrassing sometimes. You don't want to bring it up Ah. because- you know, it feels like airing your dirty laundry or. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. So true. I hadn't even thought about some of those. Now, the thing I'd love to dive in with you today, because some people are probably like, why are we talking about money on a show around work-life harmony, time management? Well, first of all, money does have a, can play a large role in the harmony that you have in your life. But when you talk to me about the relationship, I keep making this little triangle pyramid with my hands of time and energy and money and how they are completely connected. And if one is off kilter, the other is, and obviously I'm not going to say it the way you do, but I was like, this, I think is so, it really opened my eyes to how I choose to manage and control my time does impact money and my energy. So I would love if you could kind of give an overview of that. So if you think about like a painting, we have primary colors, right? They're, let's see if I remember. It's, I think yellow, red, and blue, right? Yep. So you have these three primary colors and you can turn those three primary colors into whatever it is you wanted to make, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in our lives, we have our three primary resources, time, money, and mental energy. You could turn them into a thriving business, into a college degree, into a drug ring, whatever floats your boat. And the way that they kind of work is they're not completely separate. Even though you think about them as three separate entities, they're very much attached in the practical realms. So what I find is that when we have energy, well, then we meal plan and we cook our dinners and we do the things that require energy to do. And when we have time, we plan a little bit and we think ahead and, you know, maybe we go for a massage or we take care of ourselves. And when we have money, we can buy the things that we desire. But once scarcity starts to get into those, it's very, very quick between the process between where scarcity gets into one of your resources and where it is in all of your resources. Mm. So for example, people will use money to plug a hole in time, right? So like, I don't have time to plan today. I don't have time to make a sandwich to bring to work. So I will go to the deli and I will buy a sandwich. And then we're using our money to plug a little leak in our time. And the same thing happens for energy. Like if you've ever gotten home from your day and seen that your kitchen sink was still full of breakfast dishes and everybody's looking at you like, hey, lady, I'm starving. What are you making? And you're like, I literally can't. If you've ever ordered food from the place of, I literally can't deal with this right now. I'm going to pour myself a glass of wine and just wait for the delivery person. Yep. Then we're using our money to close up an exhaustion. We're using money to plug a hole in our energy. And so one of the big issues that I see with money management that really causes other problems is that it doesn't take into consideration that most women are already stretched too thin in their time and energy. And so they're doing things like, oh, well, you should be shopping more. No, 
I promise you it doesn't help. I've seen thousands of people financially naked. I promise you shopping less. <laughs> the more you shop, the more you will spend. I promise you. Listen to me. <laughs> like, and so when we're trying to get control over our money, a lot of times the things that I'm recommending, things that really make a difference don't seem like they're financial at first. Like I frequently recommend my clients to get a dumpster and declutter their house. You're like, how does throwing stuff away get... Help me yeah, yeah, like, free up more time yeah. and money and energy. And here's how it happens. It's because that clutter is noisy. It takes up little, little bites, little, little bites of your energy. If every time you do laundry, I don't know if this has happened to anybody else. I'm going to confess this to your listeners. But for a long time, we had laundry that just lived in the laundry. Like it would get washed, dried, folded, never put away. It would go on the floor, it would go back in the laundry. Stuff that was like too small or the kids hated or whatever. And the, the clothes would just live in the laundry. And so that adds drag. That adds drag to my time. It adds drag to my workload. So getting rid of everything that's too small, doesn't fit, donate it, give it away, throw it away if it's, you know, <laughs> sometimes, I don't know, my kids are tough on their clothes. You know, that frees up so much energy. And then you feel like, all right, cool. I could really sit and track my money today. Because when you're trying to track our money, it does require a unit of energy. It requires some focus. Ah. And if your house is screaming at you to pick up the dirty socks, you have no focus. So there's that. And then when I'm working with clients, one of the methods that I teach is about streamlining, about making your shopping more efficient. I tell my clients to set up systems to go shopping. Like Go to the grocery store one time a week. And if you can get it delivered, get it delivered. Because... It reduces your impulse purchases. Like if you're going to do different grocery stores to save a buck, if you make I'm one really impulse purchase, yeah, at each store, <laughs> if you make one impulse purchase, the money that you save becomes irrelevant. Now, grocery shopping instead of being at one store costing us an hour and ninety minutes, now we're at two stores. It's costing us three hours, four hours. Then we get home, we don't prep it, and then we're ordering a pizza even though we bought all this beautiful organic freaking spinach. And also like, I'm a real domestic goddess when I'm ordering the groceries. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, I will be making pot pies from scratch. But then Tuesday, I'm like, I don't know. Hey, you guys want peanut butter and jelly? Because I don't know. It's a funny phenomenon that happens. I had never thought about that relationship of on that scarcity side, particularly as it relates to time when we're feeling, and I'm starting to kind of look back over patterns I've had previously and ones that are easy to creep up on for me that when I'm feeling overwhelmed or anxious, or I have a lack of time, I'm starting to see, yeah, that's when that scarcity then moves into the money side because of the, well, let me just go buy, let me just go pick up Chinese tonight instead of the 15 minutes to cook the meal I thought I was going to, because I don't have enough time. And even last week, and now again today, but I think I've got a handle on it. You know, the, oh, you wake up and school's canceled for the day. I instantly feel that scarcity of time. Okay. Here's what I was going to do. Now, how am I going to restructure all this? I had to reschedule our chat, you know, all the dominoes start falling. And when I look back at choices I made on Friday to that were not good choices on where some dollars went out the door that day, I'm now realizing that was because of that anxiety over the time that then percolated outside there. And I just, I had never built that relationship before of plugging 
the time stress with dollars. Oh yeah. And so when we want to get our money under control, a lot of times what we need to do, like a lot of the stuff that's in my coursework is to really look and see, well, where are we leaking energy? Where are you leaking your energy? Where are you leaking your time? Sometimes that we have to set boundaries to be able to even call some of that back. Like I've got a lot of clients who might wake up and be checking their work email before they've even gotten out of bed. I'm like, that's such a tremendous cost to your energy for the day because the, before you've even had a pee, a sip of coffee, before you've even taken one moment to be a human in your own body, you know, you're already working. And so a lot of times we've already done 30 minutes unpaid before we get to work, unpaid labor, you know, you know, beyond our, our salaries. So a lot of times we have to set some boundaries around these things because what doesn't work when we're trying to get control of our money is doing things that have a high cost and time or energy until we have that time or energy to spend on getting our money cleaned up. So what's interesting is a lot of times when I'm working with clients, we'll clean up their energy, close up those leaks, because then the need for the money goes away. You know, And then we close up the time leaks, and then the money that was going toward time leaks goes away, and then there's money to use on things that are replenishing, right? Like vacations, vacations, yoga classes, massages, whatever. But it's like, you can go out and have a beautiful meal with your love, you know, the love of your life. Let's just say for a hundred bucks, or you could buy two pizzas, you know, this week, but they feel different. When you spend money on something that's like a replenishment of, you know, something that's nourishing to your body or nourishing to your energy, nourishing to your soul, it changes the way that spending that money feels. Because when we we buy a pizza, and I'll just stay with that example from a place of like, I just can't, (laughs) I know, I just like, I just can't deal. Then we feel bad about it because then we're like, I know I shouldn't have spent the money on this. And I just couldn't, like, I just couldn't. That feels way different than going out on purpose and spending $50 on purpose. Yeah. It feels so different and it changes our dynamic and our relationship with money to start to like cinch up some well, of those I, I can look back and say like my husband and I saved up for a really special anniversary dinner. Like that was an intentional, purposeful, it was an experience. I still, I mean, I still get the chills even remembering it. I wouldn't trade anything for the choice that we made to spend the money on that. But I've spent equal amounts on stuff that I just grown. But when I look at it, it's because it came from that place of I just can't, right? Yeah. And I kind of joke with my clients about scarcity being like, I'm assuming a lot of these listeners have kids. Am I right? Yeah, quite a bit. All right. So even if you don't have your own kids, you will know that maybe you'll know some little kids are always sticky. And I call it jam hands. When my son was little man, that kid was perpetually sticky for like 18 months of his life. I was like, I just cleaned him. You were just clean. And he would like find a granola bar in the backseat of the car. I have no idea why he was always sticky, but that jam hands, yeah. that like sticky. And the more he would touch, the stickier my life would get because he was sticky. And that's what scarcity is. Scarcity is like a little kid with jam hands touching everything. And so the more that you engage with your life from a place of scarcity, the bigger that mess gets. So if you're feeling scarcity, sometimes you just got to calm down, sit with yourself for a minute, let that scarcity pass and then regroup and go and take the action. But if you're spending money from a place of scarcity, you're going to have bigger cleanup to do. If you're spending your time from a place of scarcity... And if you're in scarcity, so a lot of times 
we have to learn how to manage ourselves through that so we don't get our sticky scarcity jam hands all over every facet of our lives. Oh, so good. And I feel like this is such a, when I look at how I approach planning and managing my time and how I coach other people to do it again, to me, this just shines a huge spotlight on all the different places of our lives that benefit when we are being proactive with actually controlling our calendar instead of being re- in constant state of reaction. And even just looking back over the last month, I had you know one week in particular, and I, I knew it. I set myself up for this. I took off, I bit off more than I could chew. But when I go back and look at that week, I know for sure, because my husband and I do track our finances pretty closely, that was a week where a lot more money went out the door than the weeks that I hadn't done that. And until we had this conversation, I hadn't put that connection together of, I was in a bit of a scarcity, little overwhelmed place for a week, self-induced. I knew there was a light at the end of the tunnel, but it did, even though it was intentional, it still leaked out in other places. And so I think this is going to be really, for me, if anything, just shows me yet again, how important it is for us to have those controls in place and not just be reacting all the time. Are you so overwhelmed that you aren't even sure where to start? Guess what? You're not alone. In fact, still happens to me sometimes. And that's exactly why I created my three-step ditch the overwhelm process. And I use it anytime my list of things to do starts to paralyze me. I've shared this process with over 10,000 women. And if you need help getting out of overwhelm and back into action on the things that matter most, you can grab it too. All you have to do is DM me the word amen over on Instagram at Megan Sumrall, and my team will send it right over. Well, and it puts you in a spot of being able to create what you really want. So yeah. like one of the other issues that actually like hurts my feelings when I talk to people. And I always ask them. So when I'm on a sales call and I'm talking to somebody, I say, listen, if I had a magic wand, I'd get your money to do whatever I wanted for you. What do you want? What are we working towards? And I'm like, well, I'd put, I'd have an emergency fund or I would do these things that are like, they're tasks. They're not goals. They're not outcomes. Like I would increase my 401k contributions a little bit. And I'm not making fun of it because they're important things to do, but also there's no life force in that. There's no life force. There's no truth. There's no like, yes, I actually want to do this. And so when we are looking at our money, like it is a tool to help us create the life that we desire. It makes choices much more clear than when we're trying to do what's best for the money. Like, like imagine if I said to you, Megan, I'm going into the kitchen. I need help cooking something. What would you say? What are you cooking? Well, whatever's best for my kitchen knives. I wouldn't even know how to respond to that. I know, but people say this crap to me all the time when I'm talking about money. They're like, and then I'm like, all right, well, what do you want? And they're like, whatever's best for my money. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense, my friend. No, it doesn't. So- it is so different. Like for me, the way, I mean, my answer to that is always travel. 
Yes. Like, so that lights me up. I would do gobs of it. And that is how I want my money working for me is for yes. travel. And so we want, when we set our financial goals, we always want to make sure that we have something for the mind and the body, because a lot of our financial goals are mental wins, right? Like you go and you see it on the spreadsheet. Your body doesn't really get to experience that. You know, your mind is like, listen, Megan, we're going to stop ordering pizza. So that way we can put more money in the 401k and your body's like, all right. And then let's just say your body cooperates and it doesn't order the pizza. And then you go and you look and your body's like, all right, good. There's more money in the 401k. Now what? I want to do something fun. Let's take it to Vegas. And your mind is like, <laughs> no, what are you talking about? This was the win. So a lot of times when we set our money goals, we want to make sure that they're not all in our minds because we ask our body to do a lot of work in, a lot of sacrifice in, a lot of change in our habits. You ask your brain to rewire your neural pathways. And so you have to make sure that when you're setting your goals, that we have some things that are for your body too. And then there's some things that are habitual that you want to get in the habit of doing because you do them. Like, for example, if I said, what's the goal about brushing your teeth every day? I don't know. I mean, we can make something up long-term dental health and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But the truth is you feel gross if you don't do it. Yeah. You feel gross. So we want to get our like retirement savings to the place of, I do it because it's part of what I do every day. Like yeah. I brush my teeth. I don't even I, think about it. I yeah. put money in my 401k. Like, of course. So we want to have some financial habits that are there, but we don't want those habits. Those habits need to support the actual goal. The habits themselves aren't the actual goal. And so when we mix those two up, there's not a lot of reasons that the body will give up the things that you ask it for. You know, because it's the body that's got to make all the changes. It's the body that's, you're asking your body to eat salad that you packed from home today instead of a quesadilla, which mm. is cheesy and delicious. And your body <laughs> like knows that. Your body's like, you want me to eat salad from home, but Lauren down the hall just asked if we wanted a quesadilla and I do want a quesadilla. And you're like, no, yeah. because of this money thing. The body's like, oh, but if you're like, but listen, we're going to pass on this quesadilla. We're going to eat the food that we've got because we're going to Greece next summer. The body's like, oh, all right, cool. Yeah, okay, fine. But yeah. when there's like no win in sight, the body's like, listen, we're getting that quesadilla and then we're going to go home and try to have some sex today too. Like that's what we're doing today. I want a snack and some sex. And that's pretty much it. That's where your subconscious mind is. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is so helpful. And I really want, I know I'm going to be thinking very differently moving forward when I sit down to do my plans for the week of recognizing the time and energy I'm putting in that isn't just about the time. This is going to directly impact my finances, my mental health, all of it. And so for anybody listening that is still, although if you've been following me for a while, chances are you've tackled some form of the planning that I share with you all. And if you haven't, my hope is that this conversation and what Bree has just shared with us today will, because some people ask me like, sometimes it's just so hard to get motivated. Now that you can bring forth this powerful nugget of the impact that you could choose to negatively have on both your energy and your money by avoiding managing your time or you know whichever which point you want to look at will help fuel you from a motivational standpoint to take that first step. Yeah. And getting super clear about the truth of what you actually want. 
You know, yeah. when you give yourself watered down, washed up goals that feel like should do's, it's very difficult to find the motivation to do them. Yeah. If your goals feel like something you should do, the logical next step to a life that you've just downloaded from the collective unconscious, like you're going to have a real hard time giving up anything to be able to get it. Yeah, Because so it's just true. not worth it. So you have to tell yourself the truth. And what's wild is people are more successful, even if the goals are more outrageous. And I'll tell you a quick, yeah. quick story. So like once I had a client, married couple, adorable. And they were like, well, we save money every year to go to the lake. I'm like, all right, cool. And I'm like, neither. They both look like the lake was not what they wanted to do. I can see it on their faces. And I'm like, all right, well, is that what you want to do for your vacation? And they're like, well, we go every year with our families. And my mom really likes it. We've been there a zillion times in the cabin. And like, she makes a comment about the cabin. And I'm like, all right, so it sounds to me like you don't actually want to go. And they're like, well, we go. And I'm like, well, no wonder you're not having an easy time saving for this. You literally don't you really want don't to even do want it. to go. Yeah. You don't want to do it. And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, well, we want to go to, they had two vacations that they wanted to go to Napa Valley and they wanted to go to Australia. So we put Napa Valley on the list. Napa Valley is not a cheap trip. It's no. not. It's a luxury destination. It's wine country. It probably costs, I think, four times as much as the goal like. that they couldn't get accomplished to go to the lake. But they got that other goal accomplished because they wanted to do it. It yeah. was the truth. When, when it was time to like change their habits and they could be like, all right, Napa Valley or Macy's on my lunch break. Well, it was Napa. But when it was Macy's on my lunch break or the vacation I don't actually want to go on with my mother-in-law... Yeah. It was like, oh, well, Macy's. Anyways, I'll just yep. go with Macy's and I don't even care if I don't have any spending money at the lake because I don't want to I'm go gonna be there anyway. Oh, that is such a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. We could chat for hours. I know we could. Where is, and I'll put some links in the show notes because I know you've got some great resources. Where is the best place for people to connect with you, get into your world, all of that? Yeah. So Facebook is probably the best place. We have a free group there. And then anybody who buys any of my courses, we have a group that's just for people who are customers. So Facebook, I mean, I'm on Instagram. I'm on YouTube. You can find me sheep to shark. On all those I love platforms. that sheep to shark. That's so great. And we've, again, we'll put all the links in the show notes. So if you're you know, searching for sheep to shark, can't find it, go ahead and grab the link here. Bree, I can't thank you enough. Truly. I'm sure we will have to have you back again later this year. Cause we have a whole, you had so many good things that we could talk about that. I know everybody would get such value out of, but I think this initial conversation certainly has given me a lot to think about and I know it will everybody else as well. So thank you for sharing one of those precious commodities, your time with us here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Getting on top of all things time management, organization, and productivity doesn't have to stop just because this episode is over. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Megan Sumrall, or just open any browser and go to megansumrall.com. If spelling my name is a complete pain, just go to theworkliferharmony.com and grab my free time management cheat sheet. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share it.